0: Hey, all right, and welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation about music, and our conversation this week is with Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties. Illuminati Hotties dropped a record called Free IH this summer one of my absolute favorite records of this year, and Sarah, one of my favorite people that i met doing this podcast. She joins us again this week from her home in Los Angeles. Excited to share that conversation with you all. I want to thank all of you for being here with us. Hope this is finding everyone well. Last week, we came back. It felt very rewarding sharing the relaunch of this podcast with the world. I'm happy now to... Have it over with, <laughs> which isn't to say that it didn't do great. I was pleased with that, and so grateful for the help I got from Jamie Coletta over at No Earbuds, Marcus Nuccio, who did all of our new artwork, all the past guests who shared the podcast and our patreon with their people, and everyone who signed up. I had a very nice conversation with Miranda Reiner last week, one of my favorite music writers. It was for Miranda's newsletter, Something Old, Something New. You can find that at somethingold.substack.com. If you're there, subscribe to it. Miranda's pushing the conversation in punk and DIY in the right directions. But as far as the relaunch, thank God it's over with. I'm looking forward to getting this back into the regular groove that I love. And one thing that I've noticed very quickly in just doing this and having done one week of it is that this feels much more like I'm sending these shows out uh, more like an audio letter. It's so hard and confusing and scary right now, and it's hard to feel connected to more than just what you have the capacity for. We're all carrying this weight, and this is just the best way I have for giving a large exhale, but then also putting myself in a position where I can breathe in someone else's energy. And it's easier when there's two. And I think that making a record of the conversation gives it a nice purpose creatively, and we have a third piece to this all and that bit of harmony comes through an organization that we contribute to each week. This week, Sarah and I are sending some money over to Mutual Aid Los Angeles, great organization that provides community support during this COVID health crisis. Mutual Aid LA uh, provides grocery supplies, and deliveries throughout Los Angeles, which is Sarah's hometown, and we help organizations like that out through our Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. We split the Patreon here three ways. Each week, one goes to our guests, one goes to me, and one goes to an organization chosen by our guests. And you can pledge $3 for tier number one. Just think about it like you're giving the three of us a tip. There's also a $10 tier that our guests help us out with each week by contributing something that's exclusive to, to our Patreon. Sarah left a very dope playlist this week of songs that influence Free IH. There's other good stuff there, too. Bonus material from the Life's Work podcast. My full interviews with Laura Stevenson. Chris Gethard, a video interview that I did with my friends Julius Steiner and Dave Sagan of Rap Boys. And this week, we had Mikey Erg send in a Frank Zappa playlist. I'm like, Mikey Erg, I struggle with Frank Zappa. I don't understand any time signatures that have an odd number in them. I don't really like songs that sound like someone from National Lampoon wrote the lyrics. And then Mikey Erg said, I'm Mikey Erg, and Tim, you're my friend. You can put in the playlist and all the other stuff that we discussed over at patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. This week you can help out mutual aid. L.A. And we can throw some money to our guests this week. Sarah Tudson of Illuminati Hotties is on the show. Illuminati Hotties. It's been a weird summer. It was a weird summer. But Illuminati Hotties had my song of the summer. Song called Will I Get Canceled? If I write a song called If You Were a Man, You'd Be So Canceled. That was on a record called Free I H. This is not the one you've been waiting for. A ripper of an LP, a mixtape that Sarah slammed down on us this summer. It's got punk energy, and Sarah writes such great vocal melodies. I think about early Beach Boys singles when I hear her music. but She's throwing a lot of different tones on there. There's music you'd hear coming off of someone's car stereo. There's heavy music, and there's a narrative on here a record label that we will probably be talking about a lot, especially next week when Stevie Knipe of Adult Mom is here. Sarah and I don't get as much into it as far as the label goes and the story behind this record. Sarah has had some great conversations. Uh, One of them was with Dan Ozzy, a young upstart journalist. Um, I've taken Dan under my wing and told him how to interview a few of our past guests. He did a great job with Sarah. Uh, he's working his way up this week. He talked to David Anthony and, um, only one thing worse than that. And there are a lot more alkaline trio songs than you would think, but Sarah talked to Dan. It's on his newsletter danozzy.substack.com. Subscribe to Dan's newsletter. Ian Cohen also interviewed Sarah for Stereo Gum. Read up on the circumstances of this record. Also, Sarah gives great interviews just in general. And those two are folks I admire. They're working music journalists. And I think that any person who has had to work ever can absorb a lot of big time energy from this record that sends a big fuck you to some people who deserve it. And it pushes outward in every direction creatively. There's some great experimental shit on here. There's some heartfelt shit as always. Sarah is a tender one. Um, So I was super excited to talk to Sarah. We had a very fun chat in 2019 and we got to do it once again here. Subscribe to this podcast on your podcast player of choice, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. Check out our Patreon, illuminatihotties.bandcamp.com. Any link that you need is going to be in the episode notes of this show. Hope you enjoy me and Sarah Tutson.
1: stuff is not not real. I don't want to say that. I don't think it's real or accurate, but I think that what's important about it is it like inspires a realness. You know, you can you can read a horoscope or read your chart and sort of apply it to it's the same as tarot where that you know you're given a set of symbols and um you can sort of ascribe it to your life in the way that it makes the most sense and like mm-hmm. you know that's why there's no horoscopes that are like you're gonna fall off a cliff because they they try not to predict the future. They give you sort of general life directions, and then you can sort of be like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense because I blah blah blah."
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about cliffs a lot lately. This is, <laughs> huh? Okay, yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, I can apply that
0: <laughs> in, in some way. Yeah. So, Sarah uh, of and also uh, known as Illuminati Hotties, thanks for talking to me today thanks for having me it's nice to have you on um you know i think that actually i was tracing it back to like when i started to be like oh i really want to interview sarah again and it was uh the weekend of july 4th independence day if you will where i was so i suddenly heard about a record by occult magic and i was like oh this is great this is fantastic <laughs> everything that's going on here and also it was nice to like remember that and just be like yeah i i can talk to uh sarah about this occult stuff because it's it's definitely uh something at least she's thought about in the name of her fake band
1: yeah (laughs) (laughs) well illuminati i mean there's so much weirdo mythology tied into that whole thing as we just talked about and then also i kind of feel like it's a it's I don't think it's, like, an exclusively Los Angeles thing, but I think there is a lot of mysticism in L.A. and a lot of, especially with, like, celebrity culture out here, the Scientology world, Mm -hmm. which is a whole, a full sidestep from Illuminati stuff, but definitely kind of wrapped up in, like, occult symbolism in, like, you know, in, in sort of weird ways. They've borrowed a lot from that, and that is so... It, it really is is just kind of background noise in Los Angeles. There's a lot of mystery when it comes to like the extremely famous and extremely wealthy and that's all been wrapped up in occult related mm-hmm. stuff, I think, in some people's minds. And again, like, I don't know how much I believe of it, but it definitely haunts hollywood for sure
0: (laughs) the old settlers exactly (laughs) (laughs) but um it's really exciting having you know this like thing pop up like oh this is clearly an illuminati hotties record there's just (laughs) enough uh of an easter egg to all of it and then just two weeks later there's your mixtape free i h This is not the one you've been waiting for, which is a record that I like even more than your last one.
1: Wow. Thank you. (laughs) I've been getting a lot of really positive feedback, which is really awesome and fun. And um, definitely, you know, I think every time I've put out anything musical or not, but just any sort of work, I feel like the, the... minutes hours days before I, I go through a panic of like oh my god like does this stuff really matter at all like is it any good am i totally full of shit like is this just is everybody going to see right through this you know uh-huh. imp- just a regular imposter syndrome stuff right and uh and you know that that definitely happened with this record due to the fact that it was made very quickly and with a lot less um like pouring over than maybe some of the other music I've made. And so right before I was kind of like, Oh man, people are not gonna vibe with this. It is just too this or to that. And like, and it's not, it doesn't feel realized in the way that I maybe want a second record to feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and then everybody seemed to really react positively. And that, that's really, you know, I don't, that's, that's not the bread and butter of making music for me. I think I would do it whether people hated it or not, but mm-hmm. it definitely makes it easier to keep making music when people are like, "Oh, we love this, you know Cause totally it's i I definitely am a somebody who thrives on positive encouragement
0: <laughs> yeah, totally and i I feel like there's um when you get feedback like that and you are you're sharing something that is pretty pretty close uh to you in that moment sounds like your intuitions were right you know it's not just that you like made a good thing that's like structured well which it is but it's also like this is what you're feeling right now and you're removing a few of the layers that like you know come in in the normal like run of sharing things it's just like this is this feels right yeah and yeah definitely. right
1: yeah, it, yeah. I mean, there's been a few moments in the last like 12 months or so where I've really trusted my gut, um, much to the initial questioning or chagrin of people who are involved with this project. And I think, you know, ultimately, anybody who sort of was like, I don't know if that's the right idea came around to be really supportive. Uh, and Most of the people that I work with, well, all the people that I work with are really supportive and and encouraging, and I think it's been really cool to sort of be like, no, I think this is, I I think I got to trust my gut on this one, and Free IH was a part of that for sure, Mm -hmm. Um, and intuitively, I stumbled upon a few things in the music and just with the release plan and everything that that ended up working to my advantage without having known that there was like a pandemic coming or like, you know, touring being canceled for the foreseeable future and, and Mm. all this stuff that I sort of so deeply hate, but also, um, in some ways, you know, people are, the only way people can access music now is through, through listening to the record. And, and, Mm -hmm. um, it, it was, it's a weird time to release music, but it also, I think, is a really important time to be releasing music
0: definitely because i you know so much has been shaken up and mm-hmm. it's like if if this is all part of a process that leads to these steps then those steps feel natural it feels like yeah. this is what you do and now a huge part of that is missing and it's like what we have is is music and you you shared something that um, you know, it wouldn't I don't think it would have come out, you know, even if there was touring in the future. Like all other things aside, this record probably wouldn't have come out this way unless you had like a tour lined up for it.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean definitely when I was making it, I was assuming there would be some kind of tour, but the touring that I was planning behind it because of sort of the whole you know, the story that we've already discussed at length on the internet of how Uh this came out i wanted to do a really small like basement space diy space 200 cap room tour um and just kind of do it in a flash cram a bunch of people into into god-awful rooms and you know kind Mm -hmm. of like not deal with support acts or like whatever like just kind of do like a one-offs in all the cities that we could i mean obviously you know not to like (laughs) i don't mean to like Shit on support acts in that in that moment because obviously that's so helpful to have. But I really wanted it to be like a tour that that wasn't labored over. It was very just like we're gonna drive to this city, play a basement show next, DIY mm-hmm. space next, you know, mm-hmm. and then like not think about it too much. Probably do less than three weeks, um which you know, if I had gone with my initial plan of sort of like putting out a uh, a record too that I had been working on for the last year and a half and that that feels more producerly and, Mm -hmm. you know, well thought through, I guess, from my perspective, um, that record, I imagine having the full U S and Europe tour and like just being on the road for months and months and months. And like, I I wouldn't be able to do that for, Mm -hmm. for that record. And so this sort of, I was sad to not have an opportunity to tour on free IH, but I also wasn't planning on doing the big mama tour that a lot of, bands my size do on their second record
0: yeah i think yeah that totally just like plays into what really comes off as a very fun record and i think like there's the mixtape tag that really i think it it feels like there's a full embrace of just like a mixtape can be whatever i want it to be
1: yeah it there's no rules and there aren't any rules in for anybody else who's done more traditional style mixtapes. It's it's really just like a collage of like everything on somebody's hard drive or, or MPC disc or whatever. Like it it doesn't have to be a project. W- I mean, this one does happen to have some kind of thesis running through it, but it doesn't have to be that. If it's a if it's your regular mixtape,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and stylistically, this is clo- felt closer to me than a, to a mixtape. than, you know a full-length record, but it is a full-length record. I mean, for the sake of of what it is, I mean, just because it's short and weird doesn't make it an album. Mm-hmm. I just, for the, you know, calling it a mixtape felt more comfortable as far as, like, categorizing these songs and where I was at with the project, in to- with Illuminati Hotties.
0: Right, yeah. It's funny the way just nothing really changed. Just... The label that you put on what it is, and and yeah. that label, even though yeah, it's what ten songs, it's over twenty minutes, it's a fucking record, but you're just like yeah, it's a mixtape. Enjoy yeah. it or don't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I what I really like about listening to this, and it's something that I think really carried over from Kiss Your Frenemies and the shows that you play is that it's, it's fun music and you sound (laughs) like you're having a lot of fun making it.
1: It was really fun to make. I always,
0: I get so much enjoyment out of your records because of your, I think full on embrace of like music as just a fun place to be.
1: Thanks. It is. It's so music is so joyful. And even, I mean, I, will be the first to admit how much like truly emo garbage that I love to listen to. And that Mm -hmm. is so earnest and so mopey. I love that stuff so much. And I write that stuff. I was, I wrote that stuff a lot more, I think when I was a little younger, but I still write stuff like that. And I think even that stuff can be Mm -hmm. be joyful. Mm -hmm. We might've talked about this before it, maybe even when I was on the first better yet the first time, but Uh I, I feel like, All all the people who write that stuff have a really awesome self-awareness that allows them to write truly just the most, to some people, cringy stuff. But I think Mm -hmm. it comes off in this great way, an artistic way, because of their self-awareness and their sense of humor about it all. And that you can't really say some stuff if you don't have a sense of humor about what you're actually saying you can get away with a lot more sappy sad stuff if you're if you're like i know what this is and i'm you're, gonna tie it up right
0: mm-hmm. you're going in to it the same way you go into any other like movie or like a yeah. tv show just like i'm not thinking about like how silly it is that uh you know there are like giant robots in the movie pacific rim, i'm just thinking like cool, i don't get to see explosions in real life. Exactly. This is a nice, nice experience that I get to enjoy, yeah, exactly, yeah. and those records are the same thing. It's just like i don't care if i'm not cool i don't i never try I never said I was cool,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly, it's exactly that, and I think if I did anything else, it would be it would it wouldn't go as well because I just think that I, I i i think i I've tried hard to like have a character or like be somewhat of an actor in, in the in the scope of music and I think free i h is the closest I ever got to doing it successfully, mm-hmm. but for the most part like anytime I've tried to play a character on stage or whatever it just doesn't go very well and I am much more comfortable just being the like hyperbolic version of myself uh because mm-hmm. i'm not a very good liar or actress so
0: <laughs> well i think that that is definitely audience dependent because yeah you know um jay and i uh came when we went to see you when you played at the hideout in chicago i didn't i just knew that i liked that record and you know you came out y'all had y'all had coordinated outfits it was very very fun you were having yeah. a great time and it was a really cool experience of just like yo mc is on stage and it's like enjoy the show and yeah that was that was an illuminati hottie show and i think i know what you're referring to where like sometimes it doesn't go so well and that's it can be tough to uh i think it can be tough to present that as a support band and they just maybe they just don't know what they're signing up for
1: yeah definitely i think that that is something we've run into with we've supported we've i mean it's been really incredible it's some of the most fun days and months and year last year of my life you know we've supported artists in totally different realms of being Mm -hmm. the audience that shows up to the Lucy Dacus shows is not the audience that shows up to the pup shows, Mm -hmm. but somehow we've convinced both of those bands that those are audiences that might show up to an Illuminati hotties headline show or something, you know? I mean, I think that those, that if you're a headlining band, you want to bring a support act that's going to appeal to your audience a little. Mm -hmm. Uh, but we have sort of like definitely in those, circles I think we were met with mostly huge support and in some cases just sort of like what the hell is that? Like it wasn't the wasn't really the band that we paid for the tickets for. It was cool, but it just wasn't what I was expecting or I don't know. We definitely have had to play around uh in terms of like what what our set looks like I think for different audiences and, you know,
0: Yeah. I I don't I think that like, you know, there's uh Statements that come from like comedians about having to bomb, and not to yeah. say that it's like a, an equivalent or that you're bombing because you're not. Mm-hmm. You're just reacting to the people that are in your immediate uh, uh, sight line. Yeah. Well, um, but I think that there's, I think that there's something that you can really, really gain from that experience. But I also would like to point out that those bands took you on tour because you're good at music and they like your music and they uh are down with what you're doing
1: yeah totally yeah i mean it w- it's so it's such an honor to get any support offer from any band that's bigger than you because a they've heard your music in some capacity and they like it and like they have no there's no especially with those sort of acts like the ones i just mentioned that we're not going to pull any more we might pull a few people, I guess, for their audience, but for the most part, like, they're going to sell out that show no matter who is supporting them. Mm-hmm. So it's really, like, generous and awesome for bands like that to take on bands like us who, you know, ha- have been sort of slowly and steadily growing. But at, at in February of 2019, we were definitely way smaller than we are now. Yeah. And we're not big by a long shot, but we're just kind of have been doing this like slow uphill.
0: You were in a really nice position to just drop this record, which had a great, you know, a lot of uh, story attached to it, which (laughs) Uh, is all contained within it. But it's it's music that um, I think is really, really well crafted. And I love the listening experience of this whole thing because it sounds like... Music that, along with, like, great Illuminati hottie songs, a lot of it seems to, like, pull from music that you hear on the street. Like, whether it be in your car or if you uh, have a neighbor like mine who likes to play music really loud (laughs) while he cleans his car uh, once a week, uh, like he did this morning. But... (laughs) There are like there are tones that are in this that, you know, I recognize as coming from a place that it it would be it would be disingenuous of me to try and like say that I know where those tones come from exactly. But I recognize them. I I know those tones. You know what I mean?
1: Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think that this calling in a mixtape also allowed me to sort of like cop more stuff from other people and not care as much about like, is this the most original thing that I've ever made as far? Like I, I, I did that a lot less than I do on some of the other songs of mine that I work on, or even of other people's that I work on. And this one was sort of like, Oh, I love, I love this minor threat song and I know how to make that guitar sound. And so like, I just need to do the like 2020 version of that. And like, you know, that is, that's very mixtape aligned to me as sort of like grabbing and collaging from other stuff. And like, you know, I, there's a couple samples in, in free IH, obviously a mixtape is fully almost always just samples, mm-hmm. but, um, musically I w I was able to sort of like sample in that I, w- you know, in quotes for the people who are, cause this is a podcast, <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> I was able to do like a sampling of like sonic texture that I might ignore if I was just trying to cut a second record that you know with more time and elegance.
0: I um I feel so good about not interrupting you. Which minor threat song?
1: Um I you know what there are so many Incredible minor threat songs, and I was listening to. I basically went back and uh listened to the empathy re- or what is that? What embrace the, the embrace, embrace record. record? Holy um, shit, that's a good record. Yeah. yeah. Um, and embrace is a band that I just sort of didn't ever get to when I was younger. I think, and I just sort of did Black Flag and I did Minor Threat, and it, it stopped there. And then I remembered that you know Ian MacKay invented emo and i listened to the embrace record and Mm -hmm. i was like whoa this is in insanity um and it's it's so it it feels like all the things i love about minor threat and black flag but it's there's something else to it um but i guess you know on the on the sort of like collection of seven inches that they they combine like the the two seven inches into mm-hmm. like a single album thing. There's a song called 12XU that I really liked. and yeah. it's, a, it's just over a minute long. Fucking uh, right. And it's so cool and weird. And then I just sort of like slowly stacked up a playlist, which I'm going to look at right now.
0: Oh, um, Let's talk after the podcast about yeah. you sharing that playlist with me and our Definitely. Patreon fam over at <laughs> Patreon dot com slash Better yes. Yet Podcast. Um, we'll talk about that in a minute, but um, I, I fucking love Embrace, yeah. and it, I, I
1: don't know why I missed it like for for so long. I, I it was a band that I just was had always like seen the, the album cover. I feel like I have mm-hmm. such a clear picture of the album cover, but I never really dove into as much as some of the other surrounding acts.
0: Well, it's a cool, um, like, it's a cool bridge between Minor Threat and Fugazi. And yeah. I think that it's it's always like Guy was in Rights of Spring, Ian was in Minor Threat. That Embrace record is so fucking good. Have you also, have you heard... The Palehead songs. He did a couple songs with the guy from Ministry. I think they oh, only released no, a couple. Oh no, I haven't heard that. All right, I'll send That's that really to cool. you, and we'll post that over on Patreon. Patreon dot com slash Better Yet Podcast. Um, but
1: yeah,
0: yeah. Ever um, listen to Self Defense Family?
1: Yeah, I'm a I'm a little familiar with that.
0: You um. Pat Kinlan's band before Self Defense Family was called End of a Year, which is an embrace okay. song. So right. those <laughs> those are very very sonically aligned. But cool um, music is great, and I am so happy to have a chance to talk about it. And back to the re- then back to the reason that we're here. Um, yes, because <laughs> that was you know you
1: saying music that music is the reason we're here. I would say I would I mean. I think that talking about minor threat and black flag is, is a backdoor way of talking about all the music I just put out and, uh, it's and and embrace and everybody.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's like, it was a really cool thing to see. Um, because, you know, I know that you have like, you're a producer, you are a, a record producer and you're an audio engineer. So when I was listening to this, and I hear a song like "Free Peoples," um, I'm like, "Whoa!" Like not only is this like in a vein that is a little bit different from the Illuminati hotties songs that I know previously, this is a very um, dialed in version of something that I didn't I didn't know that Sarah was into, but of course Sarah's into it. So yeah. that was like a cool thing because it's just like I'm listening to I'm like, Oh, this is cool. Oh, this is also like really well dialed in and I think it all sort of goes into the idea that you were having a lot of fun.
1: I really was. And I was so lucky that song in particular and a couple others, like, you know, Tim Kmet, who plays drums with us, mm-hmm. who's a good Midwestern boy <laughs> from Piatone, um, and Zach, who plays bass with us, Zach Bilson, both they both played on this album, and um, they they listen to so much cooler stuff than I do on my own, and like they definitely gave me sort of like heavy band education, like the the step beyond punk and beyond sort of metal even like into like grindcore and like black metal and Mm -hmm. like all that stuff was stuff that i have listened to in very casual passing but but zach and tim are 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 very familiar with with that side of music and they added a lot to those songs as far as that energy goes that's in free peoples and a couple of the other ones Mm. Um, and then you know again it all comes back to just like not really Having a hard time being inauthentic. Uh, it's it still kind of a, it comes back has an Illuminati hotties tilt on it, whether I wanted it or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. Because I think that you do. I think that you do a really good job of filtering things through what you really want to present to people. It's like those tones and like what you say on that song. What you say on the more. Heartfelt songs like "Reasons to Live," where you're very, very raw. You're that's such an honesty, and there's I think an equal amount of honesty in just those like one, two, three, fours that you you th- throw out in a just like really, really like you know actor kind of way, but it's you. Yeah.
1: yeah, I mean, this album overall, I just. Well, b- I think because of the lack of, like, s- like I don't want to say seriousness, but again, it just kind of comes down to, like, not thinking as much about making these songs as I have about some other songs and doing them really quickly and, like, not letting myself edit them and kind of just, like, uh, write a song and forget about it and, like, not worry about it again until I was ready to, like, get everything ready to be mixed. Um, and... It sort of like I think opened up vocally in, in sort of like what I was saying and how I was doing it, like a much more cartoon character version where I I could kind of like play with how how to push my vocal into a weird place or like how to like you know like do the count off and like kind of do my best Dee Dee Ramone impression, but knowing that I'm a you know I'm a twenty something young woman and i would never sound like dd ramon who's been smoking cigarettes since he was 12 or whatever (laughs) but and then there's
0: like there's so much you're so subversive on this record like the 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 shit that comes out in k-hot am 818 (laughs) it's like yeah like Take control of your masters, you know the way that you refer to like oh, they won't give me the the circle p like oh my god, like that's so pointed, and it has this great like subversive energy, but it's it is kind of like the um like kind of like a like a cartoon character where it's like oh she is such a little stinker,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, there was definitely um I mean. You know, I don't I think that there are, I've probably made some folks not too happy in 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 the way that I said some of those things, but I also think that it was real and it was true for me in a lot of ways and like the only way I could get it out, you know, I'm not very good at like expressing anger, but I am really good at expressing humor and irony, I think, and sort of like uh, you know, like of course it's happening like this attitude, and so yeah. like that was really easy for me to play with, and it I think it allows me to get away with saying a few more pointed things if it, it really is coming under the guise of joking around a little bit.
0: Hmm. Yeah. It's you know I I think I'm somebody who is uh, pretty reactive, and I have um
1: sagittarius fire energy
0: yes <laughs> so you know i i i think i go i've gone out of my way especially now during this pandemic where there's so much frustration like i i've definitely like sent negativity out towards people because that's that's the way that i feel um but i always feel better about negativity when i can do it in a way that's a little funny you know yeah
1: i mean you have to laugh at yourself because you know i, I don't want to minimize any real anger that's out there but i i am reading a book right now i have a book club with two of my best friends it's called pleasure activism and it's mm. it's there's a lot of really good points that happen in it and there's this whole chapter where the the author is interviewing someone who's an organizer and an activist with the with the dakota Pipeline stuff that was mm-hmm. happening in South Dakota. And, and this person is also a comedian. Yeah. And so they were saying, like, like, does your comedy get in the way of your activism? And the person was sort of saying, like, no, it's kind of, it's, it's a cool and disarming way to sort of bring the activism to new places into new ears. Mm -hmm. Um, and this was a long tangent to say (laughs) something that I forgot, but I guess the, the point is, is, is that, you know, pure negativity fueled anger doesn't really work for me. Mm -hmm. And I guess part of the way that I have sidestepped the rage is just by joking about it a little bit because that I think that's more of my personality.
0: Yeah. Did it take you um it take you a little while to get there with this, with this situation? Cuz this this label is or <laughs> Freudian slip. This <laughs> this record is such a fuck my label record and yeah. just with the way that you're talking about it, you know, I, I it, it really took me immediately in just like how direct this is but also like you did a really really great job I think of making a piece of music that doesn't require any of that context because if you look at like the history of like fuck my label uh, records or like periods of time where uh, you know like Prince with the symbol or (laughs) Neil Young makes that record trans um (laughs)
1: It's, I knew you were going to bring up the Neil Young record.
0: That shit is, like, so funny. Um, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah, but it's also, like, it's, like, you know, it's sort of become a thing where it's, like, that record's kind of a joke. Or yeah. you listen to that record because you're just, like, oh, he's, like, really sticking it to him. But I don't I don't think I enjoy that music. And this yeah. is, like, really narrow. Really, uh, you really, I think, made your way through a narrow passage.
1: Yeah, I mean... You know, there was a moment where I was like, should I just make, like, a 45-minute noise record? No vocals, like, no real drums, all just, like, weird computer-generated, like, disgusting sounds. And then, you know, I, like, I'm not Neil Young, and I'm not in a, or, yeah, Neil Young, and I'm not, I thought, oh, I thought I said Neil Diamond for a second, and I was like, that is...
0: Well, so Neil, the wrong artist. <laughs> Neil Diamond's like "fuck your label." Period is actually really tight. It's like he just he just <laughs> like that fucking metal music machine bullshit. Like that's got yeah. nothing on like those five Neil Diamond records from the early '80s where he was just like "fuck my fuck my lamb." I'm totally kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess the fact of the matter is that I'm not either of the Neils, and I wasn't in a position to tank tank my band, and you know, like. I guess there could have been a, a, a reality where everybody would love this crazy noise drone record. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was hard even for me, just the way I write songs to like fully focus on that and like be like, allow that to exist. You know what I mean? Like I, mm-hmm. I, at the end of the day, I was like, I do want to put something out that people want to listen to. And I do want to increase the interest in my band, not just with the story, but also with the content.
0: Yeah. The like, you know, the, the drone and feedback piece, um, it, it would have made, it would have made people like me really stoked. That's about it. And, uh, (laughs) and you kind of did something better than that, uh, for me. And then, uh, and then for everybody else too, which is, I think the, the, the goal
1: yeah and for me too i mean i, I it would have been fun it would have been an exercise in a lot of s- toys that i love to play with when i'm making music but mm-hmm. uh, i mean you know it would have been a total waste of my time if i w- would have s- truly gone down that path knowing very little about it and i think that it it was it ended up being a lot better just for my own development to to have actually written songs for this
0: yeah, totally. And to get like, I mean, those sounds you're you had to have a lot of fun just like crafting those sounds that come from wherever you took them, whether it's you know a, a, a radio station or uh, fucking embrace. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, tell me about like um, just like it. It seems like it would be a very joyful experience of just like getting getting that shit to sound really good and clean.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, I I will give a lot of thanks to Simon Katz who mixed this thing for me um, on good and clean sounds. Uh, mm-hmm. And, the, but like it was, it's really interesting because a lot, a lot of this was, well, all of this was made outside of the studio, I guess, except content bedtime is the one exception from which I drew a lot of drum, uh, like all the drum parts are from when we were in the studio to record a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, the guitar sounds were really fun in that I, they, it was just like something I have always wanted to do and something I'd, I'd read about a long time ago with um, the way they made the first Black Flag record, which is um, the guitar tone is just a guitar plugged into an amp, at literal volume 10 and and like, you know, it's a smaller amp. So it breaks Mm up really fast. And like, I was just like, well, what a fun challenge to just like make a cool guitar sound with only with the, the knobs that are available on the amp. So most of the guitars on that record are just a loud ass amp. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that was fun and easy. And, um, and just it feels really good because, you know, it's like just really it, it in your body. You, you really feel it when you have a, you're standing next to an amp at full volume, mm-hmm. um, even if it's a small one. And then, you know, drum wise, bass wise, I did all the drums and bass with Tim and Zach in Tim's rehearsal space. So I was really sort of like I had one hand tied behind my back, essentially because uh, the room is bad and the tr- mics that we had and the interface that we had are pretty amateur level recording gear it wasn't what I would generally love to record drums you know if I if, it was, if I was calling all the shots and I had infinite budget I'd be in the studio with a full console and like all of the amazing vintage mics that I know sound great on drums mm-hmm. and with this it was just kind of like the bare bones basics the bass is plugged straight into the interface like it was it was the bare minimum as far as some recording stuff goes but also that's kind of what all the record really needed I think
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and like you kind of get to do a little bit of problem solving in that yeah Mm -hmm. I think like getting the best out of what you have kind of kind of a, a better scenario um, yeah. at least in terms of just like personal fulfillment. Um, yeah. Glad that you brought up content bedtime. Cause that's a song that I really, really, uh, just, I think that was the one that like really knocked me over in terms of just like, this record is like a little bit more now, I think in just like, <laughs> it's a badass <laughs> statement, but that song is so fucking awesome. Tell me about putting that song
1: together um so that song is like i said the drums were recorded at this real nice studio in highland park called 64 sound with me and tim and zach were this guy pierre owns 64 sound and he he works with jenny lewis a lot and with he was he played bass in rilo kiley and and then now has moved on
0: he's not the one that was on salute your shorts is it no that was the drummer the drummer of Rilo Kylie was on an old Nickelodeon show called Salute Your Shorts. But sorry. Oh my
1: god, I, I to... remember Salute Your Shorts.
0: hmm Yeah, wow. you remember you remember Ronnie? He uh yeah. he uh he brought Salami with him. Uh, I think he was like a season two, like he replaced uh Michael and then there was this new guy, Ronnie, who was like really cool. And, and then, that's the
1: drummer from Rilo Kiley.
0: I think it's the drummer, and he was <laughs> on like Boy Meets World for a little bit as Joey the Rat. And then yeah, he's either oh, okay. Yeah, he's he's yeah, one yeah. of the Rilo Kiley people that sounds like not the person you're referring to, or Jenny Lewis for that matter.
1: This is it's not Jenny Lewis. <laughs> it's all it's this guy who has recorded Jenny Lewis and um, M Ward and whatever. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's this cool room. It used to be a um, a uh, uh, what is that? Oh, my God. This is going to drive me crazy. Um, the the folks, they come door to door, and they, like... Uh, like a salesman? Uh, yeah. No, not like a... It's like a religious, like... Oh, my God. Oh, Mormon? I'm going to look this up. Not Mormon. Jehovah's Witnesses. Jehovah's Witness. Thank you. Yes. This place used to be a Jehovah's Witness uh, dance hall meeting facility kind uh-huh. of thing. So it's got a really weird vibe. Um, Speaking of uh, occult magic... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's just a beautiful room, and they have so much cool stuff there. So I, I recorded um, a bunch of stuff there last summer uh, to for the the record that I had been writing and recording before I started Free IH. And the this content bedtime, for. yeah, the one you are waiting for, a lot of it was recorded at 64 Sound. Mm-hmm. That was a long story. Basically... <laughs> uh we had this joke song that was the chorus of content bedtime mm-hmm. and it just was like content bedtime over and over again. And like, like kind of a kraut rock beat. Um, and so we like jammed on it for like an hour and a half at the studio and just kind of tried a bunch of weird things and none of them really worked and whatever. And then I, when I was making free IH, I sort of had dug up that session, which had been untouched for, you know, uh, six months or whatever, mm. eight months. And I just took random sections out of it and I sort of pieced them into a song and then I played some more guitars over it and I added a bunch of sampley stuff and then I wrote... Um, I had one of the verses written. I wrote a, another verse for it and added a bunch of noise. Yeah. And yeah, it was very piecemeal together and it was the one... One song that was recorded in an actual space, for the most part.
0: That's that's awesome, yeah. It reminded me, like, the kraut rock thing, as you mentioned, is like, oh, yeah, cool, let's get those rhythms in there. And then it really took me into, like, the very beginning of Devo, where it's like, this is a fucking punk band.
1: Yeah, it was it was a really fun one, as far as, like, stretching a little bit.
0: Mhm. Yeah, I think that you really like you really like turn something that was like kind of fun and silly uh and also um while retaining those things, you know, you I you really hit on shit that is such a part of this experience right now of just like I god, why do I look at Reddit for 20 minutes before I go to sleep? That's a
1: terrible idea. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's The song is a lot of nonsense, and it's also a lot of comment on the, like, slog of anybody who has to, like, do self-promotion in any way, you mm-hmm. know? Because like, it, it is, like, some people are really good at making it feel natural. Um, it can be very corny, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just kind of like part of being alive now in the 21st century
0: yeah and specifically um the right now year um so so you put you have this record out um you've talked a lot about the story and and the situation that you're in with your record label and i encourage everybody listening to um find those places that Sarah has uh, discussed all that because a lot of great people had a lot of great conversations with you. I loved what Dan Ozzy did. Everybody subscribed to Dan's newsletter. Um, And so I want to, I want to make this like sort of the end of music conversation question. And that's where's the best place for people to buy this music from you in the most supportive way for you.
1: Um I think the most supportive way to buy this music is on Bandcamp. The the vinyl is sold out. We only did one pressing. Um and that's kind of it. Tim's got it. Amazing. Um the Bandcamp has been doing Bandcamp Fridays, and I think they're still doing it. And it's just, you know, it, on Bandcamp Fridays, all every penny goes straight to the artist instead of um, Bandcamp taking its regular uh, fees off the top. Um, so that's kind of the easiest way to put $10 in my pocket. Um, the other way is share it with everybody. Like, if you're more of a streaming person and you're listening on Apple Music or Spotify or whatever, like, uh, obviously those are f- the payment from those is filtered through many, many uh, sifts before it gets to the artist. But, um, you know, I think that sharing it and getting people excited about it and adding hype to the project is ju- is just as important as financially putting money in my pocket right now. Um, you know, obviously the financial part is extremely helpful so I can keep doing this, but st- I think like one of the things that's really exciting about the streaming platforms, um, as sort of whack as they are for artists is that it is so easy to share and you don't have to like make a CD of like 17 random things you like torrented from the internet anymore. Mm -hmm. And like it take it's like a whole thing and like there's a lot of love involved in that, but it's so fun and so quick to just like smash together a playlist, send the link to all your friends you know, yeah. encourage people to follow us on whatever. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that there's... Um, I, I I feel like music, it's free, you know? And, and I don't want to get on like a soapbox about it, but it's something I've been thinking about a lot, that these are sounds that exist. They're out there. So sharing mm-hmm. those sounds is just an act of sharing. And then there's also... We all have, um, you know, we all are, we all can be incentivized to, um, help support people who are making those sounds. And I think that it's, it's coming in a lot of like different and strange ways now, but, um, you know, this is this to me is it was a very inspiring record because i felt like so much of the music that inspired it was music that i hear in certain places or music that you know i have uh, i have my own friends who are sharing grindcore and heavy music with me because they have that background more and i'm thankful for the records that have just been like lent to me or just the check this out it's all good it's all positive
1: yeah yeah exactly and it's definitely helpful and it it you know i think that the way music press tends to work is that it 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 shows you know it puts the flashlight on specific artists and like For whatever reason, some of those artists skyrocket to another level and some of them kind of get great press and just kind of like maintain their audience ship and and it goes well in a different way. Um, But nothing beats when your friend says, hey, I think you'll really like this record because it's means a lot more. It means a lot more to me than Pitchfork saying, hey, I really I think you like this record or or Spotify serving me up at Discover Weekly. Like mm-hmm. what really means something to me is somebody who knows me saying like, oh, yeah, like I just heard this new band, like, mm-hmm. you know,
0: you get to lock into something that someone else has has been there. They've they've yeah. they've sat in that spot where, you know, the tone gets heavy or the the melody or the one two three four just makes you smile.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: As I mentioned, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash betteryetpodcast. We split the revenue from our Patreon evenly between the show, the guests, and an organization that the guests and I discuss each week. Gives us a reason to come together on top of having music to discuss. We have a greater cause outside of... This podcast, Conversations Podcast episode, you can pledge on Patreon, patreon.com slash Podcast. You could tip us three bucks a month, but if you pledge $10 a month, you get access to all sorts of extras, including this ripping playlists Sarah made, inspirational tracks for free IH. The money from Patreon goes to Sarah, goes to the show. And it goes to an organization that Sarah is going to tell us about right now. Cool.
1: Um. So I was told turned on to this organization called Mutual Aid, L.A. Um. By I was actually told about it through this project. Um. That I've seen a few friends getting involved with. Um. That's called Community Fridge, and I initially was going to try and send money their way but they don't accept financial donations they only accept food donations um and they've set up fridge refrigerators all over los angeles um that are free and people just drop food off or you know if you need food then you take you can take it from the fridge um and so basically this community fridge organization uh when i was looking into it has a has like a Google doc that says like, we're not taking financial donations. Here's a list of other places that do that we really support. Uh, One of them was mutual aid network, Los Angeles, which is doing um, a lot of grassroots community work in LA in response to the pandemic um, specifically uh, with folks who are unhoused um, or also just low income um, and they've they've put together a really nice community where they're giving out food and supplies um, and they are dropping stuff off in safe ways. And they also have uh, a lot of resources for if you ha- if you are experiencing a pandemic related emergency um, and you don't know where to go. So this place seemed really cool. Um, they have a really well put together website with their mission statement very clearly stated, which I loved, um, and appreciate, especially because, um, there are so many great places to donate to right now. And I think when you are looking into all that stuff and saying like, what, what is important to me, what is important to my community? Uh, it's, it's really great to sort of find out about a place that has all that stuff really easily accessible, um, and in multiple languages uh so mutual aid la um on instagram on twitter and also just their website is mutualaidla.org
0: that's awesome great cause doing something for the community making it accessible making it easy and also to to just see like how simple it can be to just take in and then provide. There are um, there are a lot of great organizations all across the country and the world doing things like this. It's nice to be able to connect, uh, Sarah um, from from Chicago to Los Angeles to um, just have a chance to do something on behalf of your physical community and also within our own uh, that we get to share. Just because yeah. we're uh we're folks uh who exist in the 21st century. So we're all like <laughs> we're all part of little communities.
1: Yeah. And I also just feel like in general um you know if you have financial resources or time resources or you know supplies or whatever you're you're working with um it it seems it seems to me that donations and volunteer time go a lot further with smaller community-based organizations not not to say that like the national bailout fund like isn't worth spending your time or money on but when the smaller it gets the sort of bigger impact that your donation and your time make
0: definitely this is wonderful mutual aid la.org um if you want to just go ahead and send donations there yourselves and i would encourage everybody out there to think about places like this and in all communities that uh that you may exist in big or small um illuminati if you want to get yourself a copy of this record it's digital at this point you don't get the the cool uh record like like i got to <laughs> and uh also that zine that you put out holy crap
1: oh my god I was so I put out just sort of a very loose call for contributors and um there were a few people I I asked specifically and I was truly honored to have the presence of of uh some of those writers in there
0: yeah Hanif mm-hmm. who wrote my favorite book of last year about a tribe called quest the moment i opened that up i was like whoa this got real legit real quick
1: yeah I, he, <laughs> he's also one of my favorite writers and they can't kill us till they kill us was uh, was just mm-hmm. i i like blew through it just on like i was on tour when i read i think it took me like less than three days and i was like wow yeah. that was just the best book ever
0: um also uh shout out to better yet hall of famer Julia Steiner yes. contributing. Um so mutualaidla.org, dot org, illuminati dot dot com better yet podcast what Patreon dot com Patri- <laughs> Slash better yet podcast, better yet dot com. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us. Thanks. Love to all of you out there. Enjoy the day, enjoy the week. We'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you.